Welcome to the SOS Church Stockholm podcast. We are an international church in the heart of Stockholm that meets every Sunday at 12 p.m. at Drottninggatan 81. The celebration is in English with translation into Swedish, Farsi and Spanish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. And I am so happy to see you and we are starting off a new series as you saw on this small trailer that is called Forget Religion, Find God. And, and you think that I'm going to beat up religion really bad, and I might, but mostly I really want us to focus in on finding God. That is why I am here. I think that is why you are here. I'm not going to try to convert you into a religion, but I'm going to present a living relationship with a living God. And I think that is what you should expect to find in this place today. So that's what I was speaking about. My name is Christopher, and I'm pastor in this church. I'm married to a beautiful wife, Eli. She's somewhere taking care of our youngest, I think. I have four kids, and they are wonderfully intense, and I love them so much. Someone said that when you have small kids, the days are long, but the years are short. And I find that to be true, actually. The days are really long at times, but the years goes by very quick. Yesterday when I was putting my uh, son that is soon turning nine, I was putting him to bed and we were looking at some film clips from when he was just one and a half like his youngest brother. And we were laughing, they were doing so many things and I realized, wow, time is flying, it goes so fast. Uh, so that's one advice I got when, when you have kids. Another advice I want to give you today very freely it is that when you have a lot of kids, it's, ho it's hard to keep like your life and your house in order. And sometimes what you need to do is just lift the carpet a little bit. You have someone coming over and you realize we haven't been able to clean since yesterday and house is a mess right now. <laughs> or maybe this morning and the house is still a mess. Then you just lift the carpet a little bit and you take all the dirt that there is. And you start to brush it and then you just fold the carpet right back and you're hiding it under the carpet. That's a good advice. That's worth coming. I tell you, it can change your life. My wife, she's very good at it. She's actually really good at it. Not, not maybe exactly brushing it under the carpet, but if we have things laying around all over, she take a plastic bag and she's gathering all the things in the plastic bag. <laughs> she's taking the, car, the kids' toys and clothes and sometimes even like my wallet or our keys or something like that. And she put it in a plastic bag and into a wardrobe or to a closet. And after when I'm like, I should take the car. I'm like, where is the keys? Oh, it might be in, in a plastic bag in, in that room. I'm like, what? Do you put my keys in? Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to clean up before we got some, someone to visit. That is the ugly truth. And I don't think you should look so holy because you've probably done the same at times. Or something similar, right? Maybe not brushing the, the dirt under the carpet, but maybe 
Instead of taking that shower that you really needed, you took a third layer of deodorant and a lot of perfume on. And we all know that you stink deep inside, but <laughs> when we meet you, you smell awesome. Or maybe you, you're the one, your car is spotless on the outside, right? When you're driving by, you almost need sunglasses because your car is in so good order on the outside. But if you walk in, there is empty cans and McDonald's <laughs> bags and all kind of trash inside. But on the outside, everything looks nice. And you're like, it's not me. Wait, I'm coming for you too. <laughs> your life looks awesome on social media. When someone goes into your account, you're like, I want your life. Everything in your life seems to be so good. But really, it's pretty miserable, if you should be honest. But on the outside, everything looks good. I got one more. If this is you, don't raise your hand, don't laugh, just look straight ahead. When you realize that you're wearing your last pair of underwear, you're just turning it inside out and you go for another day. It's not clean, but you can make it another day. Some of you take it one step further. You off the inside out, you do the other way around and inside out again and you go for four days. I heard about those people. Douglas is laughing. You feel like, yeah, it's me, it's me, it's me. I, I need to confess. I need to confess. Actually, that is the undertitle for today. Inside out. Inside out. We're going to speak about forget religion, find God. And the difference is that religion starts to work on your outside but never reaches your inside. But Jesus it starts on your inside and it works its way out to your outside. But the most important thing is your inside. So that is what I'm going to preach about today. And when I'm preaching, you'll see a Jesus that you might never, if you haven't read the Bible, maybe you have never imagined that Jesus could say some of these things. So I just want to warn you beforehand. And I want to say that Jesus, he never spoke like this to his followers. He never spoke like this to people that know that they were living in sin and that they had failed. He only spoke like this to the religious leaders that was putting on a lot of commands on the people but did not really care. So just be aware as I start to read the word of God to you. I will preach out of Matthew's gospel chapter 23 and verse 1. And we will have the text in Swedish and in English up here on the screen. So you can just follow along or if you want to bring up a Bible or a phone you can do that as well. Are you with me? Then Jesus said to the crowds, uh, to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice what, uh, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they do not pra uh, practice what they teach. That is the religious leaders. Jesus says, do what they say. Because the Word of God is the Word of God. It will work no matter who's sharing it. If they are following it themselves or not, the Word of God works. But don't look on how they are behaving because they're not following it even themselves. Verse 4. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Religion is demanding. Jesus 
is inviting. Religion tells you that you better be working hard to be accepted. Jesus is inviting you to work together with him because you are accept, uh, accepted. So you work from another point of view. Not for acceptance, but from acceptance. Verse 5. Everything they do is for show. On the arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And wear robes with extra long tassels. They're doing it to exalt themselves, right? Imagine if I come with prayer boxes on my arms and long tassels. And all of you will be like, wow, that's a holy man. Uh, they're doing things to show off, to pretend to be holy. They're putting, the religious leaders put the spotlight on themselves. Jesus was always putting the spotlight on God, the Father. Verse 6, And they love to sit at the head table of the banquets in the seats of honor in the synagogue. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you only have one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Rabbi means master or great teacher. But Jesus says, you're all equal as brothers and sisters. Sometimes as a pastor, people is coming to, to us or to me, and they think that if you're a pastor, you kind of have some golden card to the throne room of heaven. You can pass through the line of all the other people and you're just you and God in a way that there is not for other people. But Jesus says, we're all equal. I don't have a golden card to the throne room of heaven in a way. You know, we are equal as brothers and sisters, but you can develop a relationship with God the Father. So that you are used to be intimate with Him. But we're all equal as brothers and sisters. Amen? There is, there is no other name than the name of Jesus that should be in between you and God. You don't need to go through a pastor. You don't need to go through an elder. You can connect with God yourself. Verse 9. And don't address anyone here on earth as father. For only God in heaven is your father. And do not let anyone call you teacher. For you only have one teacher, the Messiah. All right? How should we understand it? Are you not teaching the word of God? I am teaching the word of God right now to you. I have the privilege of serving with teaching and preaching the word of God. And it's truly a, truly a privilege. But there is a difference that happened with Jesus. Before Jesus, they had something that was called a priest. And a priest was a mediator between people and God. So when the priest was walking into the presence of God, he was representing the people. In Old Testament, the, the high priest even have different stones with all the tribes of the people on himself. So he was carrying the people in front of God. He was hearing from God and then he was walking back to the people representing God in front of the people. He was a mediator. In the New Testament, after Jesus, is written in the book of Hebrew that Jesus is the mediator between man 
and God. You don't need a person in between you and God. You need Jesus. He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You will not, you're not going to come to Jesus through me, but you will come through Jesus and through the word of Jesus that I'm preaching to you. So what is a pastor? A pastor is a, a guide. My job is to teach the Word of God, but always put the spotlight on Jesus. Teaching what Jesus has been saying, teaching what Jesus has been doing, so that you will enter into a relationship with God yourself. Amen? You need no other mediator. The goal in this, top, in, in this series is forget religion, find God. And for some of you, maybe you, you are like, oh, I always thought, yes, we're going to show down some always I thought. And we're going to see what does the Word of God say so that you truly can find God and live with Him. Verse 11, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. Who's saying that? Jesus is saying that. <laughs> you don't want Jesus to say that to you. And many people think that a hypocrite is someone that, that's kind of say one thing and do not li really live up to it. Kind of like you overcommit and you underdeliver. But to some extent, I think that is to be a human being. If you aim high and you don't really reach it, I don't think that is a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone that is putting on a show. Because your motives is that you want to look holy in front of people. You want to put on a mask so that people think, well, whoa, that is a holy person. You want to put on these prayer boxes under your arms. <laughs> so when you walk the streets, people are like, wow, what a holy person. I don't know if that's how you impress people in Stockholm or not, but, 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 but you see the motives of a hypocrite. You want to look holy to show off in front of people. Uh, verse 14, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourself and you don't let others go in either. So what this is saying, it says that they are now hindering people to come to God. These religious leaders, they are saying that they are representing God. They are saying that they are showing the way to God. But they are a stumbling block. And if you try to pass through the religious demands, you're going to fall. And you're not going to make it into heaven yourself. And they are not going to enter it. So don't follow their examples. They say that you need to serve to be accepted. Jesus says you can serve because you are accepted. They say that if you do a lot of good deeds, you are really a good man or woman. But good deeds is not going to make you a good man or woman. But if you have your heart being changed, if you have a good heart, you will start to do good deeds. Not to become good, but because you have a good heart. Religion starts on your outside, but never reaches your inside. Jesus start on your inside and when he have changed your inside your inside start to work its way out and you're going to live differently are you with me today what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites 
For you cross land and sea to make one convert. And then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you are yourself. Whoa. Jesus. What? You're not allowed to tell people that. Jesus just did. 2,000 years ago. You cannot really change it. It's way too late. Religion is hindering people from coming to God. Maybe you've been trying religion. Maybe you call yourself, I don't know what kind of religion you're, you've been calling, calling that you're a follower of. It hinders you to come to God because it's to put the focus on what you do so you can reach heaven. But in Christianity, heaven reached down to us and was lifting you up. It's not you climbing up to God. It was God climbing down in the body of Jesus Christ to reach us so that he could change us from the inside and out. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe, even the tiniest income of your garden, herb, herb garden. Can you see them? Coming with the different herbs, of <laughs> tithing of the different herbs. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, faith. You, uh, you should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. Do you really tell me that there's more important things than giving? Yes. Actually, Jesus tells you that there is more important things than giving. Giving is indeed important because it breaks materialism in our life. It breaks greed. And it helps us to put God first in our finances like in all other areas of our life. But it says that there is more important things. What is more important? Justice, being merciful, living in faith. It is more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so that you won't ac accidentally swallow gnaf. But you swallow a camel. Sounds hard. Painful. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and dish. And then your outside will become clean. And I feel like it's a bit silent in here today. Because maybe all of us, we've got something to think of. And you that are sitting thinking, oh, I'm so happy that my friend is here today because he really needed to hear it. <laughs> oh, oh, I really wish that so-and-so was here because they would need his message today. I'm going to share the podcast later on. Uh, let's look on ourselves first, right? Jesus says that the religious people, they are very careful with outside. I, I brought a beautiful cup here. It's some... It's actually Pastor Douglas' favorite cup. I, I didn't want to tell you, but it's a beautiful flowers. And I mean, you could polish it and walk around. It's so beautiful. So it's almost like you want to walk with it when you take the subway. Many people take a takeaway cup. I always take this cup because people are like, wow, that's a holy man. Look at this cup. It's, it looks awesome. And I'm going to get the lid for it too so I can walk Drottengarten up and down and walk around with it. This beautiful cup. But what you don't know is the inside. I don't know if you've seen the inside. It's kind of like, I don't know what it is even, but it's, when, when you see the inside, you're like, ah, I'm not sure if I even want to drink from it. Because the inside is so disgusting. 
that's how we can become at times. We are pretending like everything is good. We're pretending like we put on our holy face. And we're meeting people. But inside we're struggling. Jesus is interested in your inside. And he will start with your inside and work itself out. Are you with me? The religious leaders, they hated Jesus. Why? Because they were controlling the people by their religious demands so that people did what they wanted to do. And that they honored them and held them in control. But Jesus came to break the religious bandage and set people free so they could really have a relationship with God. Jesus, he wanted to do in work with the inside so it would come out because everything is about the heart. Apostle, uh, no, um, in Matthew's gospel chapter 15 and verse 19, Jesus is saying this about the heart. He says that for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, uh, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimonies, and slander. What is Jesus saying? He says that it never starts with murder. It never starts with adultery or with a lie there is something that starts way before in your heart you start to carry thoughts and entertain thoughts in your heart and long way down the path you're going to act upon it Jesus he wants to change your heart and start in here so you start to think the right thing and long way out here you'll start to do good and care for people because you care that in your heart amen he wants to start with a root, not with the leaves. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, how should my heart change? I've been sinning as long as I can remember and I can hardly do anything else than sinning. Jesus wants to start with your heart. Long before Jesus ever came, a prophet named Ezekiel, he was prophesying how Jesus was going to change our heart. And I want to read from Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. Where it's written like this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and, and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. Jesus, he wants to put his law inside of you. He wants to give you a new heart so that you want to follow him. I remember when I was 17 years old and I really surrendered my life to Jesus. And, and when I came back to school, when I started to live my life, I felt like I don't want to do the things I've done before. It's not like I try to avoid it. From my heart, I don't want to go back into the junk that I was in before. Why? Because Jesus changed my heart. Jesus can change your heart today. So you don't want to live the life you were living before. And maybe you say, I've been a believer for a long time and I'm waiting for it to happen. I believe that pressing in, meeting with Him, surrendering to Him is going to make it happen. Jesus wants to change you from inside out. And if there is someone that really experienced how it was to go from a religious lifestyle into a deep relationship with God, it was Apostle Paul. Before he was called Paul, he was actually named Saul. You can take the next slide here. 
He was named Saul and he was born in what is uh, in a place called Tar Tarsus in what is Turkey today. He was brought up in a Jewish family and they belonged to the Jewish sect called Pharisees, which was the most radical Jews that there was. And Saul, he was now raised very radical. He went to the best training for the Jewish boys. He learned to memorize all the laws of the Old Testament, which is a lot. If you read it, it's a lot of laws. And he was now trying everything he could to follow all the laws from the Old Testament. Thinking that if I keep everything, I'm reaching God. He went all in on achieving that. And the law said that if you are ho you're holy, if you live holy. You are righteous, if you live righteous. You are good, if you do good. You get what you deserve. And if you can keep the whole law, you're going to be blessed by God. And you would indeed be it. But there was one problem. And I want to go to James chapter 2 and verse 10. Because it's written like this. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumble on just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. So the bar is kind of high. There's a lot of laws. And if you just break one law, you're guilty of breaking all of it. Paul, he was setting out trying to do what no one else had been able to do. He was trying to keep the whole law. Uh, but later on in life, he was going to write a letter to Romans. And there he read, read, uh, wrote like this in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He came to the conclusion that no one of us have made it. <laughs> We've all been failing. And if we've been breaking one point of the law we've been breaking it all so with other words we're all sinners and no one stands righteous in front of God by our own own good deeds when I speak about the law some people think that the law seems to be evil the law in the Old Testament is is an evil curse for humanity but it is not it was actually God given the law is holy righteous and good but it has no power to make you either of it. It cannot make you holy or righteous or good. The law is a mirror that you're looking into comparing yourself with God. And when you're looking into that mirror, it's supposed to show your mistakes. And show yourself that when I'm looking at myself, I realize I'm actually a sinner. We should, not, we should not look at other people pointing out their sins. But we should look ourselves in the mirror and realize... I'm actually a sinner and I'm in need of grace. Paul, he was trying. He was really, really trying to keep the whole law. He was trying so hard. He was actually trying too hard. So he started to persecute those that were not following his views. He started to persecute those that call themselves Christians or believed in Jesus. In Acts 9 verse 1, it's written that, that Saul, or, uh, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. What does sin comes from? It starts in the heart, right? He was actually carrying hatred in his heart. He thought that he was serving God, but he was killing those that really served God. 
He thought that he did God a favor, but he was actually persecuting the Lord. He was trying so hard for so long. He was trying, trying way too hard. Maybe you're here and you've been trying to reach God. Or you've been trying to be good enough for church or being good enough for God. Or you've been trying so hard. I want to tell you that we are all been failing. <laughs> Every one of us. The best one in this room will probably fail on its best day. We have all been failing. No one of us can come to God in our own righteousness. Saul, he was now thinking that he was serving God. He was on his way to Damascus. He was going to imprison believers. He was going to have them ar arrested and, and later on killed. But on the road to Damascus, boom, he was knocked off his high horse. and was falling down on his back. And he, he saw an intense light that blinded his sight so he couldn't see anything. And when he was there now, the mighty man Saul, that been persecuting, killing the Christians. He was a leader among the Pharisees. He was now laying on his back, blinded. And he was calling out and said, Lord, who are you? And he heard a voice saying back, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. And he realized, I haven't served God. I've been working against and persecuted God. He thought he'd been working so hard to reach God. But God needed to come down and reach him. And when he realized his mistakes, he got humble at heart. And he was turning from his old life. He got baptized in water. When you're baptized in water, you're bearing an old life with its sin and addictions and guilt and shame. And you're now resurrected to a new life together with Jesus Christ. Then he was being filled with the Holy Spirit, started to speak in new tongues, started to serve the Lord in a new way. His life was completely turned around and he was going to write more than half of the New Testament serving the Lord. And what he realized was that grace cannot be earned. Grace cannot be worked for. Grace cannot be deserved. Grace can only be received from someone with humility that is admitting I am a sinner I need help amen I believe so much in the grace of God but when you preach the grace of God some people say but what if what if people take advantage of the grace what if people start to sin and say that I will be forgiven whatever I have done so I can just sin and I then you haven't understood grace then you don't know what grace is grace is doing removing your sin but it's also empowering you to live a new life it's teaching you godliness it's teaching you to live holy you couldn't live whole in your own effort. But the grace of God, when He's been removing your sin, you can start to live a new life and walk in His holiness. So you cannot be afraid of His grace. His grace is the empowerment that is changing our life deep within so that you can live the life you are meant to live. And Paul he was later on going to write to, to the church in, in Galatians because they came back into trying to follow the law. And Paul wrote, he said that, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. 
With other words, I've been trying with all of my capacity, Paul says, to live perfect, to live holy, to live righteous. But I couldn't. I failed. Religion couldn't lead me there. Only Jesus. When Jesus stepped into my life, it was transformed. And I can testify about the same thing. It took Jesus to change my heart. It takes Jesus to change your heart. I don't want to convert you into a religion. I want to point to Jesus and say that Jesus can help you. Jesus can change you. He can take away your heart. He can throw the heart of stone away. And He can give you a heart of love, of flesh. He can give you a new start and a new chance. Amen. Can we stand up together? Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Curious to know more about our church? Check out our website, soschurch.se. Have a great day.